0: about catch the foxes. Catch the foxes. I find it interesting that as I had worked on this message a few weeks ago last Sunday, I had kind of set it aside and was just looking forward to having some final touches on it this week. But I was looking out the window as I was praying last Sunday morning before church, and I watched as Jim Siddall went up to the top of the hill, and he parked up there. And as he got out of his car, he close the door and he starts walking down and right behind him he never saw it but there were two foxes that i've been watching since may there's a mother and a baby and in may this thing was so small that i i wasn't sure what it was till i walked up there close to see but they jumped out behind him and they are running around and they're playing and jim's walking the church has no idea that the game that's going on behind him and i'm just sitting there watching this and And then they turn and run into one of the neighbor's yards and shortly after that a deer comes walking around the corner with its baby and I'm sitting there going, "No Lord, why would you distract me in such ways from my prayer? But as we've watched these little foxes grow up here, I've seen them probably once a week, at least once a week since May. I also recognize that we had a flock of turkey hanging around and some of the turkey had some young ones out there and I came to church one day and discovered a carcass of some turkey sitting right outside the parking lot, and I began to recognize, oh, yes, the downside of having foxes. They eat. And I thought, you know, sometimes having fox is not always a good thing. And there's a verse that I want to share with you this morning, and it's not our text, I'll get to that in a minute, but it's a verse that the Lord kind of has been impressing upon my heart, and it's found in Jude chapter, or Jude verse 3, and it says this, Dear friends, Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. In other words, when Jude sat down, he felt I want to write another letter, but the Holy Spirit is constraining me and telling me that I must write to you because I know that when you read this that you're going to be in a place in your life where it's important to contend for your faith. Now, I want you to know that living life in faith is not always easy. How many of you know that? That there are aspects of living for the Lord and growing in the Lord once you've come into faith that take work and take effort and they go against the natural desires of our own hearts. We are like water in many ways that we seek the level of comfort, we seek the lowest level we can, and we kind of settle there. And the Spirit of God saying, in your walk with Me, I'm going to constantly bring you to places of discomfort, bring you to places where you must grow, and I'm going to urge you to contend for the faith that's been entrusted to you. The good news is that the way of faith which Christ has outlined for each of our lives, it doesn't have to be a mystery. God has made it available to each of us. We read in the book of Acts about the the believers as they left that upper room after the Holy Spirit had come upon upon them. And there was no ambiguity for them as to what their purpose was or to where their power was coming from. I believe that's what the Lord desires of His church today, that as we walk with Him, His power would come upon us so that we would know without a shadow of a doubt how we are to live what we are to say and how are we to affect our world because of the power of God upon us. I suppose that you could say that in that upper room all of the hindrances that that could obscure the purposes of our life were dealt with and the message is that we need to be careful of the little foxes in our life that would hinder us from what God wants to make you because I believe that the world is waiting for you and me to show them the way to God again. Now, most of you would agree that the Song of Solomon, if you have ever read it, uh, is in measure a representation of Christ and His bride. And in this book, we find an important verse that I would like you to turn to, if you would, in chapter 2, verse 15 of the Song of Solomon. It will be a theme verse, but we're going to move from there into another passage of Scripture that I believe uh, illustrates the thoughts of this verse very well. But in Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15, we, we read this. Catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. I I like the fact that there's a description of not only the animal, but the size of the animal. Catch the little foxes. In other words, it would it would seem as if the scripture is talking about something that we would look at humanly and say that there is no ability within a little fox to do much damage, but the Scripture says, in the way that I mean this, I want you to understand that we need to examine our lives in such a way so that the little things that in our life that are left undetended can greatly affect our testimony. Last week, I I ministered, and for those of you that may not have heard it, you can go to our website and you can upload that from iTunes there. I ministered on restoring the first love, coming back to the, to the initial fervor that we had when we first came to know Jesus Christ. Because we know that living in the world that we do, it gradually dissipates our love for God. It gradually dissipates our desire to be involved in the Lord. It gradually dissipates the things that we allow within our life, if we move away from the first love and that commitment, the Lord says, if you're not careful, you begin to drift away. We often use the term sanctification, at least in in, in the assemblies of God and other churches that I know, sanctification, which means that from the time you come to know Jesus as Savior, from the time that you intersect the cross and you respond to His message of love and forgiveness... We believe that instantaneously you are transformed from an old creation to a brand new creation. That transformation took place instantly, and you then in the eyes of God are looked at in full justification as if you never sinned. That's a pretty wonderful thing. We also understand that sanctification is not perfected instantly, but requires a progressive growth. In other words, the moment you came to Christ, you... Was an, was an initiation. You were born again, we use that term. And then that there is a progressive growth. And I've often said, if you can't look back at your life over the past year and see that there are areas of your life that you have grown in, then you need to, re, to come before the Lord and say, I need you to reveal the areas that are holding me back from growth. Because sanctification or holiness grows as you get to know the Lord better. When you consider the size of a vineyard, a fox seems fairly insignificant. Nevertheless, a little fox has the potential to eat a lot of grapes. And the more grapes that disappear, diminishes the beauty of the vineyard that is in bloom. And in the same way, you and I may find ourselves in a fruitful season. In fact, I've discovered that some of the greatest attacks of the enemy come when you are being most fruitful. And you may find yourself in one of those seasons... And yet there are little things that are kind of nipping away that if left unattended can diminish your testimony in the eyes of the world. Now I would like for you, if you would please, to turn to Matthew chapter 17 because I want to share with you an event that took place between Peter and Jesus that is a great illustration of what this verse in Song of Solomon is talking about. Matthew chapter 17, and I'm going to read these verses beginning with verse 24 and I'm going to read them a little bit at a time and kind of go through this process with you as to what was taking place beginning in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 17 it says this after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. Now, depending on the version of the Bible you may have, it would also be correct to have this interpreted as, yes, he did. It is a word that indicates that something had taken place. And so Peter is telling the one who collects the tax, yes, Jesus paid the tax. Now, first of all, as we look at this, we recognize that up until this point in Peter's life, in his walk with Jesus, things were going very well. He knew that the Lord was a provider. He had seen the power of God at work. The disciples were being sent out two by two. The power of God was upon them. Miracles were abounding. It was a fruitful season of ministry in Peter's life right now. Things were going well. However, Jesus, as He looks at the life of His disciples, and in this case, Peter in particular, and if you want to broaden that out, looking at our lives from His perspective, recognize that there were some small things in Peter's life. They didn't look like big things. They weren't huge issues. They were small issues in his life that needed to be dealt with. And if they weren't, it was going to have an effect where it was going to diminish the fruitfulness of the life and ministry of Peter as they went on. And so Peter is approached by the tax collectors. And this is a temple tax. And when they approached him and said... Have you and uh, your master paid the tax? He lied. He said, Yes, we have. It's been paid. Now, we know as we follow through this Scripture a little bit that it had not been paid. And Jesus is on the inside of the door there, and He's listening to what's going on. And as you begin to think about it from Peter's perspective, he may have thought, I've got a great reason to lie. After all, this is about taxes. Taxes. It's taxes we're talking about here. And you wouldn't believe the number of taxes that were exacted in Roman time. Well, maybe you would. We're from New York. In addition to an income tax of the time, there was also a pretty heavy tax if you wanted to get married. There was also a penalty tax if you were late on paying any other tax. It was quite a A big tax. Then there was a death tax. And then there were people that that were taxed. If they wanted to use the road and were bringing any merchandise into the open market, they had to pay a tax to use the road to go and sell something in the markets. And then there was the temple tax that you had to pay before you could even get into the temple. And that's before you paid your tithes and your offerings and bought and paid for sacrifices. It was New Yorkish. And so here Peter is being accosted by the one who collects the tax at the temple gate. And he says, now, do you and your master pay the tax or have you paid the tax? And Peter said, yes, done, taken care of. Maybe he was thinking to himself, I pay enough taxes. I am not going to pay to go into the house of the Lord. Forget this. And so he quickly says, yeah, sure, he's done. It's Then Peter goes into the temple. And I find it interesting in the Scripture that Jesus overheard this whole thing. And as I was thinking about that in line of Scripture, this is kind of a picture of the fact that we serve an all-knowing, all-present God who, regardless of what you do, when you do it, what you say or how you do it, He's always standing right inside the door to oversee it. all. There's, there's, it's kind of like mother. Those of you who grew up with mothers who had eyes in the back of her head, Who could always know what you were doing, and it was freaky. So there's Jesus. Peter lies, he had a tax been paid, he walks in, and Jesus is tender. I'm sure he thought, oh, great. And we get to verse 25. And when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. How many of you know the Holy Spirit will always instantly correct? We call it the convincing power of the Spirit or the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. That when we are walking with the Lord and we are doing things that that displease Him, instantly there's this check in our spirit. It's as as if Jesus through His Holy Spirit is going, I I saw that. I just just want to remind you that there's other ways to go about doing things. And and we we get this little check in our spirit that we instantly, you know, that, that we've not lived up to the standard that He desires of us came into the house and Jesus was the first to speak. And he says to Simon, you know, again, there's such great wisdom here. He doesn't go, what are you doing? I heard you lie. You jerk. You're making us look bad. You know. No, he he approaches it like this. He goes, what do you think, Simon? From whom do you think the kings of the earth collect their duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others or depending on the Scripture you have, it may be interpreted or from strangers. And Peter looks and he says, it would be from others, or it would be from the strangers. Peter answered. And Jesus then said, then the sons are exempt. And here is Jesus explaining to Peter. Now I know that He asked you out there if we've paid the temple tax and you said that we do and that it's been done, but... I want you to know that we are actually exempt from paying this tax because the temple is my father's house and we are the sons here. My dad owns the business. And when dad owns the business, you don't have to pay the tax. How many of you that are business owners know that if you own a store, you can eat a candy bar and not have to pay for it because you own the store? And so this is what Jesus was beginning to say to him, is that we're not strangers here. This is the house of God. We're the sons. We're we're the ones that own the temple because of Father, and therefore there's no penalty for us. But then he begins to lead on this journey of discovery with him. For those of you that are following along in the bulletin, there's an outline of this, and we get to the first point of Jesus is trying to tell him that little things matter. Despite the fact that Jesus looks at Peter and says, we're covered in this. He wanted to point out the fact that Peter made a statement that was untrue before he knew that they were covered. And Peter's lie about paying the tax was, was like a little fox that was nibbling on the vine in the vineyard of his testimony. And Jesus knew how he wanted to use Peter and he knew the kind of ministry that he was going to have And he knew that if Peter would allow these little foxes to continue to nibble away at his testimony, that ultimately it would destroy everything that God wanted to use him for. And Jesus wanted Peter to know that he had better be on guard for whatever you do a little of now, you will do a lot of when depression or pressure or discouragement comes. Let me repeat that to you. Whatever you do a little of now, you will do a lot of when depression and pressure and discouragement comes. And you see, when we as Christians do things that are wrong according to the Word of God or that are questionable according to the Word of God, even though they may seem like they are insignificant and even though we may be able to feel as if we can justify them, our testimony becomes tainted in the eyes of those that are watching us Because we claim to be of Christ, they expect to see a difference in our life. And if you take this back to the context of the Scripture in which it was written, you have to understand that because Peter was with Jesus, that people were watching Peter probably a lot more closer than they were watching other people. And so the, the temple folks, those who worked there, those who were serving there, those who were worshiping there were thinking, you know, that guy hangs out with Jesus and he just lied. Therefore, you and I must be mindful of the little things that reside in our hearts. And sure, we can point to all of the spiritual exercises that we do. We can point to all of the things that we do to build His kingdom. We can point to our faithfulness to the house of the Lord. We can point to the fact that we're faithful to the Lord in giving of our tithes and offerings. We can point to the ministries that we're all involved with. We can point to all of these things. And yet in the middle of this, God will always, through His Holy Spirit, come and begin to tap you on the shoulder about the little foxes and compromises that somehow along the way may be able to taint the whole testimony. Let me share with you some of what these might be in different lives. Maybe your little fox is just a little bit of unrighteous anger. Maybe the triggers in your life are so easy to pull that in a moment somebody says something or does something and there's an explosion of anger and an explosion of words and an explosion of temper. Maybe for you it's just a little bit of cheating. Just a little theft. You know, it's not much. Just a a few pens and post-it notes and envelopes from the office. You know, they don't pay me enough as it is. And so this is just my way of making sure that I get what's due to me. And it's not a big deal. Maybe it's just a little gossip. Maybe it's just in the way that you present the issues of others' lives. And you paint them in a way that it's not so much informational as it is an attitudinal conversation. I don't tell everything about everybody. I just have a few people that I know I can trust that I need to share with. Maybe, maybe it's the way you speak and the way that you curse or the way you need, take the name of the Lord in vain and, well, you know, it's it's just those moments when I'm really angry. It's, it's not much. I never do that around the kids because I don't want them to, to see that and I don't want them to think that's okay, but when I'm around others, sometimes I let it slip. Maybe it's maybe it's the secret places that you allow your eyes to peek. Forbidden places. Maybe it's the fact that you'll say, you know what, I I'm gonna go see that movie because it's got a good storyline. I'm gonna disregard the nudity scenes and the sex scenes, those things that will lock in my mind and pollute me because it's a good story. It's just a little thing, it's just a little fox. It really won't affect me in the long run. God knows my heart. He knows I belong to Him. Maybe it's just a little sip of alcohol. You know, well, listen, it's just enough to calm my nerves. If you knew the kind of life I had to live, sometimes I just need that just to help me settle down a bit. And after all, Jesus turned water into wine, so how bad can it be? But there's an attitude with it. Jesus was telling Peter, listen, you got to be on guard. you got to be on guard for whatever you do a little of now, you will do a lot of later. Whatever you allow into your life that you find to bring um, an instinct within you up, you will you will reach for when situations are uncomfortable and hard. Ephesians chapter 5:18 says, "Don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery; instead, be filled with the Spirit." And when you look at the context of this passage, what the Lord is saying is, while He may be speaking of alcohol specifically the context indicates that you've got to be very careful in your life because there are little foxes that are out there to try to destroy you and whatever brings you comfort whatever you reach for to to help ease the tension of life outside of the spirit will be what you run to when things get tough and he's saying let me and my spirit and my presence be what you run to To be your all in all. He says, I stand here as perfectly capable of taking care of all of your needs. So let me be what you run to rather than the other little foxes that you might allow to damage the testimony. Let my Holy Spirit be what calms your nerves. Let it be what relieves the anxiousness of your day instinctively learn to reach out to me because you are my children and I am your God. I know what you need and I'm capable and able of taking care of that for you. And then he moves Peter from there to coming to understand that the way he lives his life is to be lived so that he doesn't offend. In Matthew chapter 17 verse 27 Jesus says this after telling him, listen, I know we're exempt from this, but I also know that you lied about it without knowing that. But so that we may not offend them, I want you to go to the lake and throw out your line and take the first fish that you catch and open its mouth and you will find a 4 drop coin. I want you to take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Now, when you look at this scripture, as an outdoorsman, I love this, that whenever I'm in trouble, Jesus just told me to go fishing. It's right there. I also love the wording of this. And honestly, as I was preparing this, I just sat back and I just laughed. Because it says, the first fish that you catch will have the money in it. You want to know why it says the first fish you catch? Because I guarantee you that if you catch a fish that has money in its mouth, you are not stopping fishing. And I guarantee you that everybody who was there fishing with Peter, when he catches a fish and the first one he catches, you know, most people just, you know, look at her and throw it in the back. And Peter's digging around through its mouth. Pulls out this coin. I guarantee you, people got really serious about fishing in his spot. For those of you that may have boats, if you catch a fish, it suddenly there's a crowd around you. People, I'm sure, were crowding around Peter. And as he catches this first fish, others are fishing, he begins to fish thinking, maybe somebody dropped their whole wallet or coin purse out there and fish are just eating it like crazy. And this is going to be a great day on the lake. And then it began to dawn on Peter that he had in his hand something that the Lord told him that was there, but it also dawned on him that he was going to have to go back to the same guy who had asked and pay a tax. That he said, I'd already paid. There are consequences to some of the things that we do and say in life. Jesus said, here's what I want you to do, and I want you to pay this tax so that we may not offend them. In other words, lest our testimony be diminished in the eyes of those who watch us. Jesus was saying to Peter, lest anybody that is in this temple that has seen us and heard you, lest they would ever be able to point to us when you and I are walking down the street and say to themselves or those around them, they're thieves because they don't pay the temple tax. Let's Let's not be hypocrites about this and let's not let them proclaim that about us. Let's do it right. And we need to understand that this is a hugely, a hugely important step in Peter's growth as a Christ follower. Because he recognizes that the Lord was confronting within his life a little fox that he said, I can't overlook this because it will have damaging effects to what I want to do in you in the future. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. He says, Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. I said last week that the kind of unofficial theological motto is that when we come to Christ, we give our lives away for the benefit of others. We find out within Scripture that we understand that the Lord has the ability to come alongside of us and help us walk in life so that we learn to give ourselves away that He might be glorified within us. And there may be things that may be permissible to you in your Christian walk, but we must still consider the impact of those activities on others. How concerned are we that Christ be glorified within our lives? The more growth that we have in our walk with God, the higher the levels of leadership that the Lord wants to bring you to and the greater influence that He wants to lead you to and that you are to have in the kingdom, then you understand that the more freedoms you must be willing to forgo for the benefit of others. I was stating this in the classes that we've been teaching on Wednesday nights about those who are going to be helping us at the altar and helping us in ministry in some way, that the higher the Lord calls you in leadership, the more freedoms that you may have in Christ that you're willing to lay down so that your life won't offend those you minister to. That's part of spiritual growth. Saying, I'm free to do that, and I can do that, and I'd be fine with that, but because of the effect it might have on others, I will step back from that freedom so that I may not offend I recognize the significance of Jesus' words when He said, so we may not offend them. God forbid that anybody should ever see something in my life that would cause them to come to a conclusion that Christ doesn't exist or that He has no power because what I proclaim and what I live do not match up to what He says He's got available to us. Now please, listen to me very carefully. Do not misunderstand me. I am not suggesting to you that if you have a glass of alcohol that you're going to hell. I'm not suggesting to you that there may be things that are permissible to you in your spirit that others may hold as offense. That you may be able to participate from time to time. I'm asking you to understand that we need to be careful what we celebrate. We need to be careful what we celebrate that others see. Because the issue now moves from not what is right and wrong or permissible, but what is offensive to others and what do they recognize in me and in my life that my testimony may be held null and void because they've been offended by behaviors that I've partaken in. Therefore, I ask you to consider, is it really worth it? How concerned are you that Christ be glorified within your life? How much do we care that what we speak is truth, that what we see is truth, and that what we live is truth? How much does it matter that we be a lighthouse to a generation that is tired of seeing hypocritical lives before them in leadership and are looking for a one true God that is demonstrated through His people in a reality that they know can't be done without the help of God? The next thing apart from that is a part of this account within the Scripture is that we need to look at the supernatural provision that was there. We understand that Jesus wanted to make sure that they paid the temple tax. And the next question is, why didn't Jesus simply reach into His pocket and give Peter the coin? Why did He give him elaborate instructions to go down to the sea and cast in a, a hook and find money in the mouth of a fish that He pulled it out you know, after all, if Jesus didn't have any money in his pocket, he could have just snapped his finger and it would have been there. He could have found a land on the ground and said, look, right here, somebody's left this us." He could have chosen any number of ways. Why was it that Jesus thought it was so important that Peter had to leave that place to go someplace else, find it in a miraculous way, and then come back and pay the tax? Here's what Jesus was teaching Peter. And it's a lesson also that he wants to teach us today. If you will deal with the little things now, I will feel comfortable in opening up the way of supernatural faith and provision to you in the future. If you'll deal with the little things, I will use you in the supernatural. I'll provide for you. I'll do things in you and through you because you will have had a life that qualifies for the supernatural to be at work. He says, I want to do things that will bring honor to my name through you. And if I know that you're going to deal with the little things in your life, then I know that your heart is right, which qualifies you for a greater move of my spirit. So allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about the little things that have the potential to take away your strength, that have the potential to remove you from a flow of the supernatural, that has the potential to diminish your testimony. Or to have others look at you and be confused about what Christ offers them and what Christ can do in their life because of the inconsistencies of your life. Imagine Peter going down to the seashore and explaining to the people that Jesus had instructed him to go down there and go fishing because there was going to be money in a fish's mouth to pay. You know, and I'm sure that, you know, Peter, Peter was a talker. Peter's not one of those that's going to go down to the seashore and people, what are you doing down here? He's not going to say that, oh, never mind. He's going to tell them. That's his nature. So he's down there saying, yeah, I want to show you something. I'm going to catch a fish that's going to have money in its mouth. Don't believe me? Just watch. I don't know what he used on his hook. I don't know if he used anything on his hook. But whatever it was, he could have sold that bait that day. And an hour later, Peter returns with a coin in his hand. And he looked at everybody around me and he says, It's just as the Lord told me it would be. Because I walked in obedience, which opened the door of the supernatural to work within me. So here we have within us a, a passage of Scripture that begins to paint for us a picture of how if you and I will make the choice to do right, and we, we will then find the supernatural provision that we need will be released for us. It will provide you the provision, to be honest. He will provide you the provision of joy. He will provide you the provision of comfort. He will provide you the provision of peace that you might think that you can find elsewhere, but God gives it to you at a level of abundance that was beyond anything you could ask or think. We are seeing it today in a family that is standing here today and though their hearts are grieving, there is an abundance of joy and there's an abundance of peace because the Lord said, I told you I would provide it for you supernaturally just the moment that you needed it. And it all starts when we allow Jesus to go into the corners of the temple and that temple is, is the fact that it's of our lives. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And He comes in and He says, I want to talk to you about something. And when Jesus was talking to Peter in the temple, Peter easily could have walked away from him and said, Listen, you told me we don't owe this tax. And so as a result of that, I'm not going fishing. I'm not going down there because we're exempt from this. You told me after I'd already been through this. But if he had done that, he would have missed the flow of the supernatural. And you and I face a tremendous onslaught of evil. and, And we need to know that we are going to meet God's, Need supplying atmosphere and attitude as we begin to say, I am going to capture some little foxes in my life. I want you to remember this. The little foxes have the potential to take away your strength. Have the potential to begin to rob you of your dreams. Have the potential to rob you of the visions that God has laid upon your heart. And the Lord does not want to condemn you or to take away your fun. But what He said is, If you will allow me the full free flow of my spirit within your life, I will bring you to levels of joy that there's nothing in this world that can bring you to. And that's the lie of the enemy right there. That if you submit completely to God, He's going to rob you of joy. He's going to rob you of fun. He's going to take away the things that make you happy. And the Lord says, He's a liar. He's a liar. He can't come close to what I've got for you. So I urge you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. I urge you to allow the vision of the Holy Spirit to begin to work within you. You will find yourself, as you begin to remove the little foxes walking in greater spiritual authority over darkness, you will find that you will have greater power to cast down arguments and high things that exalt themselves against God within your life. You will find that God will be at work within you to be a deliverer and will break the chains that may have caught you and captured you in the past. As you begin to deal with these things, His power will be unleashed within you. And supernatural provision will be unleashed within your life. We see a picture of this in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. 120 disciples went together and in one accord waited on the Holy Spirit and as the Holy Spirit descended upon them there was a transformed group of men and women that came out of that room that instantly were under a new power under a new authority and had the supernatural power of God flowing through them and these men and women who had lived compromised lives before that walk out of there brand new and begin to stand up and speak. And 3,000 people that had seen them week before saw them in the power of God in that moment. And there was something about them that transformed them. And 3,000 plus were saved in one day. If ever there's a moment in time when God says, My power, supernatural strength is available to you, it's today but it's available to those who are willing to let their lives be a testimony of God. Final point is it's time to speak. You see, the Lord foresaw that Peter had an issue in his life that was going to affect him as he walked forward. He knew how he was going to use Peter on the day of Pentecost, but he also knew, I need Peter to begin to address this issue of little white lies and things that aren't quite true, even though he may have been able to justify it. He said, this has got to be addressed because it will affect you in the future. Historians tell us later on that Peter began to deal with these things within his life in such a way and became so sold out to Christ that he eventually was crucified upside down. and so we can see that Jesus taking the time to deal with the little foxes in Peter's life had a tremendous effect on him. Similarly, you and I face issues every day within our life. And if we are going to come in contact with God's great supply, if we're going to be conduits of supernatural power and strength and the testimony that we need in the coming days, That I believe that the Spirit says that there are some little foxes that we need to catch and speak to. Because little things make a huge difference in the long run. Now, here's what's going to happen. The moment that you begin to make those decisions that I'm going to address these things within my life, the enemy is going to come and begin to speak to you right in your ear. And he's going to begin to tell you that it's really not important for you to be obedient. He's going to say it's not that big of a deal to you. He tells you when you begin to make those changes and you begin to work on allowing the Holy Spirit to transform you, He's going to begin to tell you that you can't do it and that you're not going to make it and that God's power is not available to you. Because He's the rotten little fox that's been trying to destroy the vineyard the whole time. And He doesn't want to be run out of your life. He doesn't want you to have to remove the little tentacles that He's got wrapped up in you i shared this story with some of you in years past. When I was first elected as the district youth director back in 1996, the, the man that walked alongside of me that was the head of our fine arts festival, his name was Sherman Montgomery, was diagnosed with leukemia. He was the assistant pastor at Marcy Assembly of God. We prayed, we prayed that God would do a miracle for him. He and his wife had three small children, and yet in God's wisdom and understanding and seeing things that we don't see, there was no healing that was coming and in the final few days of his life there were a couple of us that were close friends that went to see him when he was staying at his family's house in Virginia and I remember sitting with him on the back porch and I said, Chairman, you and I are close so I'm going to ask you some questions that would make other people uncomfortable but I know we can talk. He says, you and I both know that if God doesn't do a miracle in these next couple of days or hours that you're going to be at the Lord. What What are you thinking? What goes through your mind knowing that I'm about to be in the presence of the Lord? And he told me, he says, I'll tell you what's come up again and again. He said, as I have reviewed my life knowing that I could be just hours from standing in front of God, I have discovered that there have been a lot of little little tentacles of compromise. That suddenly the Lord has begun to reveal them to me. He says, they weren't big things when I was healthy. He says, but you know what? When you know you're about to see the Lord, suddenly those little things are things you begin to want to cut off because you desire to hear him say, well done. He said, so Doug, if there's anything that I can advise you, it was be live like you're dying. Live before the Lord as if you were me. Live in health with the attitude of I am going to sever the tentacles of compromise because I want the full power and presence and supernatural power of God to be able to be qualified within my life. I'm going to ask the worship team, if please come. So today I've asked, Lord Jesus, would you reveal to us the little foxes that may have invaded our life, the things that take just the touch of sweetness of the Spirit of the Lord out of us? Lord, would you come and help me have the power to catch the little foxes, the things that I do not want to entertain in my life any longer? Help me to speak to them and say that by the grace of God I will be rid of you because I have been given power to confront evil and I want healing to flow through my life. I want to be a conduit of God's supernatural power and so I want the sweet presence of the Lord to go with me wherever I go. I don't want people in my office to look at me and say, your Christianity stinks. I want them to say, your Savior has a fragrance of glory that draws me and attracts me to you because your life is consistent with what you say you are. And today we have been called to speak to the foxes and say, I will drive you from my life because I want my life to glorify God completely and fully.